Martin's grid walk was brilliant, do you know what I mean? It was, uh, but that was probably the most entertaining part of the weekend, you know. Hello and welcome back to the Undercut Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ellie Mae Taylor, and today I'm joined once again by my ever-capable co-host, Jesse Billington and Tima Lazzi-Staley. How are you? Yeah, not doing too bad. Had a nice little weekend away, but back at the desk and ready to talk all things Formula One and specifically this year's calendar, I think, is what we've got on the agenda. It is indeed, and I'm so very good. Thank you very much for asking. How are you, Ellie May? I'm good. Thank you. We're also joined by a friend of the podcast and Inside FQ host, Fraser Ford. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Yeah, no, it's uh, oh, well, we're a week away from from the start of the season. All things kicking off: Formula One, Formula Two, Formula Three, and uh, I am really, really excited for the season to start. To be honest with you, so yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. And um, win- winter break has been far too long. Someone in the script has put we're gathered here today. So is this a wedding? I uh, could not resist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're basically taking a quick glance at the Formula One 2023 calendar and giving our thoughts on it ahead of the new season. So who wants to open up on their thoughts? I'll do a quick run through of the calendar. Not that anyone listening to this probably won't know it already, but in very quick style. Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, Australia, Baku, Miami, Imola, Monaco, Spain, Canada, Austria, Silverstone, Budapest, Spa, Zandvoort, Monza, Singapore, Japan, Qatar... US again, Mexico, Brazil, Las Vegas, and Abu Dhabi. 23 races in total. And uh, yeah, packed calendar. And yet somehow quite spread out at the same time. And it's not the longest calendar as regards time and duration it takes to get through it all. It's all quite condensed. There's a long a couple of periods where we're doing triple header weekends, which is going to be quite, I don't want to say arduous, but it's going to be quite full on for certain um because obviously some years we've been finishing as late as sort of second weekend of december almost but i think we're wrapped up by pretty much halfway through november so we've packed in these 23 races but i don't know if we've packed in the right ones which is i feel like more why we're gathered here today we know obviously what the calendar is but there are some omissions and additions that have raised quite a few eyebrows up and down the world of formula one um i think most notably the changes are the loss of France, which over the recent years is now actually a sad thing to say goodbye to because it started producing good races. He says Ellie Mae dons her circuit Paul Ricard bucket hat. She's followed my trick from last week with appropriately themed headwear. So I'm kind of sad that I'll no longer get to wear this. You have to go along to oh, they, Paul Ricard European doesn't post the any... series. Yeah, I was gonna say European. But I don't Le think Mon- this year either, to be honest. So that doesn't work. <laughs> Let's see if look if, what. Fraser, talk to us about the loss of France from the calendar while I see if anything is actually happening at um, Paul Ricard this year. Yeah, I mean, will I miss France? Absolutely not. No, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it was, how many years were we there? Was first year 2018? And I, I can't remember a good race there, to be honest with you. I mean, 2022 was probably the best race we had there. Um, and it was all right. It, was, it, was, it wasn't It was. bad, was it? But I mean, it, it wasn't great. Um, and before then, I, I don't really remember a very entertaining race, to be honest with you. A little bit savage, but I, I, I definitely won't miss France. I'm sure the teams will. I mean, you know, lovely weather out there, lovely location for, for a race. Uh, but if you're not there and you're watching on TV, I didn't think it was the most entertaining. I don't think the track itself... Um, 
I don't know. I don't think it's set up for for good racing. I don't think it suits the the cars. Um, so yeah, will I race? Will I will I miss the race? No, probably not. To be honest with you, I've got to agree with you, Fraser. I mean, I think I was going back to all the races I think I've seen since twenty fourteen, since the new hybrid either. You were trying to work out which ones I'd missed, and it wasn't very many. But France's first one in 2018, I do admit I didn't watch that, um, and I didn't feel like I missed an awful lot there either. It seems better suited to other racing series. I remember F2 when Iwasa was there; that was a pretty good race of his because he had some gnarly overtakes there around that the long bend at the at the back of the back of the circuit, but not F1. So it was it was all right last year, but again, it's kind of by France's own standards, which. Nice place, nice weather. Enjoyed Ted Kravitz a lot there last year, but that's not the racing. I mean, I, as a Ferrari fan, didn't enjoy France last year, but I think that's more <laughs> personal reasons to that one. On the question of whether France is actually hosting anything this year, they've got a fairly packed calendar of racing events, but I mean, nothing huge. Like Timo said, you've got um, GT World Challenge Europe powered by AWS Endurance Cup. Uh, then there's a big gap. You've got the four hours of Castellet Elms Race, International GT Open, a bit of karting. And most notably, um, Paul Ricard hosts something called the Bordeaux, which is a sort of crazy motorcycle race, big motorcycling festival. But other than that, it's pretty thin on the ground for sort of big sort of prominent racing series going on at Paul Ricard. So it's it's going to be interesting to look at the continued existence of the circuit. Now it's losing out on the big money that Formula One brings in. So that's going to be interesting. And if we do return to France, whether we would see it return to a different circuit would also be a question that might be raised. Wouldn't mind going back to one of the older tracks there in France. Magnico. Yep. Or Poe. Wouldn't go really old. (laughs) I think whilst the racing hasn't been overly that exciting there, I think it was the one track that was the most environmentally friendly in the sense that it had a lot of solar panels. I mean, the sheep would graze on the grass to keep the grass down. So... In terms of trying to make motorsport a sort of a more environmentally friendly place, I guess we're kind of losing that. But you to can't be really fair, it probably doesn't offset even half of what Las Vegas is going to be doing. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you can't really keep a track there because it's one of the greener ones. Mm. I mean, I know Barcelona's but... followed in its footsteps as well. They've gone down the, a similar sort of route of having sheep grazing the grasslands. They use food waste from it goes off to biogenerators. So France almost lost its niche as other circuits have picked up on it. And I think when it wasn't providing good racing, it had already written itself into the the list. Well, again, it's already a niche that shouldn't really be a niche either because it should just be the basics of what all the circuits are having to do as Formula One supposedly says it wants to be more environmentally friendly and all the rest of it. So if that was what it was pinning its hopes on, then that was a badly played hand, really. A very badly played hand, especially with Formula One's idea of, oh, look, we're being greener and better to the environment, and then sticking Canada in the middle of the European leg, and you sort of go, okay... There's a lot about this calendar not to love, to be honest, in terms of order. (laughs) Yeah, you've got Miami and Canada in between this sort of weird bit where you transition from the Middle East up through Baku and into Europe. That makes perfect sense. As a sort of drawing it as a route, as a line, you get this nice arc coming up from the Saudi Arabian Peninsula, in through Baku and then across sort of the lower edge of Europe. It makes perfect sense. But halfway through it, you sort of jump across to um, Miami and then back again and then jump back out to Canada and then back again. And you're going, but why? Imola 
Monaco, Spain, perfect. It's it's literally a short sort of arc drawn out of those three circuits. And then you go all the way to Canada to come back to Austria. It, it's this thing of Formula One going, oh, look, we're being better. Also, we're going all the way around the world four million times just trying to tick off all these circuits in an order that makes very little sense. I think it's down to logistics, isn't it? I mean, but but from what I know anyway, Canada, you can. there's only a certain time of the year they can do the race, which is in June, which is probably why they then jump back there in June and then go back to Europe, which, uh, as you say, is, is very odd, isn't it? But I mean... Weather-wise, yeah. though, I'd say, just to sorry, cut into you yeah. slightly, slightly, I know that from May until at least the end of September, that ain't going to be frozen, trust me. <laughs> so you can make that work in a way. Even if you started off your second leg of the season over there to go to US and Mexico and all that after you finish off in Europe, there's still plenty of time there. And it, even if it's a little bit chilly, it's still not going to be as frozen as it normally would be. So it seems like, yeah, logistics, but eh. I mean, weather logistics-wise, you've got to remember in 2020, we were racing at the Eiffel Grand Prix and the Nürburgring in the German mountains in October, and there was bits of snow around then. I've been to Germany around that time of year and seen snow on the ground, and Formula One got away with it perfectly fine, bar a bit of heavy rain that kept the helicopter grounded, which meant we missed out on an FP1. Other than that, I think you could probably get away with the Canadian Grand Prix in a sort of late September spot before then doing your American races Mexico, Brazil. You just go south. Yeah, and then just sort of following south where it's warmer because of the sort of equatorial shift. But yeah, and I don't know, the whole Miami thing, again, it's purpose-built. It's been designed to do that. Why didn't you just simply pick a better spot when you added it to the calendar so you could at least do Miami and Canada back-to-back while you're in that neck of the woods early on in the season? There's a lot of very simple flaws that for some reason no one was quite happy to discuss when they just said, yes, you get a Grand Prix. Feel free to pick a weekend. Yeah, Are the changes to was, the calendar. Oh, sorry, go on, Eddie, mate. I was just going to say the exact same that if you can't go to Canada later because of the weather, at least club Canada and Miami together, because Miami is round five and Canada is round nine. And it's also like the stupid thing of we do round 10 of Austria, we then go round 11 to British Grand Prix to then go back to Hungary which isn't that far from Austria for round 12 so it's like why are we not doing Austria and Hungary together why are we jumping to Great Britain to then go back to a similar area of Europe it doesn't make sense especially because they're neighboring countries Austria and Hungary bump into each other running along the Danube and then for some reason we're hopping to Silverstone whose calendar I know quite well and I know that it's fairly flexible through that period of time that you could possibly move Silverstone to a slightly different spot in the calendar Uh, why I don't know and equally we've got massive air hubs so if you were to sort of clump your Miami and Canada together it'd be the ideal spot to come back to after Canada before heading off and doing a short European leg and then calling it quits for the summer break again logic wasn't really employed when they made this they just sort of put out clearly like some sort of survey monkey thing and just said pick the weekend you're free and we'll go from there and um They sort of sent that clearly first to Bahrain and then second to Abu Dhabi and then let everyone else fill in the gaps around it. And what we've ended up with is a mess. Which as well, going back to then Bahrain, Bahrain is round one, Qatar is round 18. They're so close together in proximity to each other, yet they're at the other ends of the calendar. Why? (laughs) Yeah. 
a Qatar vaguely makes sense because as you're sort of going from America or Japan, you could either fly across the Pacific to America for Texas, or you could fly the other way around and sort of stop off at Qatar. It would still make more sense around. to Qatar before Abu Dhabi, but uh, it would make more there's sense. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff where we, I think we did this last year. Just if we go back and listen to that podcast where we went over the calendar, it was probably the same kind of annoying grievances we had then. Yeah, just the the silly uselessness of it. But obviously, like we've already mentioned, we've got Qatar joining the list. We've got um, who else? We've we got new on the list this year. We've also got Las Vegas, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a bit of an odd combination of tracks there to add in Los Ale was all right when we saw it in 2020 21 21 yeah and Las Vegas I don't really have high hopes for but we'll start with Los Ale views on it when we were last there for Formula One I, was so I personally bored. quite enjoyed it um, because you had Lewis and Max going at each other again for, which was quite fun, and both of their rear gunners weren't really anywhere to be seen, which led to Alonso being able to do Alonso things and get up to third place. And it was just a new track. It kind of gave 2020 vibes in that sense of we hadn't been there before. It was just nice to have something a bit fresh. Um, and I think that probably helped it in the sense that it didn't have to be the best race in the world for it to be entertaining in there because it's just new and normally you'd have MotoGP going around there and it just gave a bit something different if you look at it from a purely racing point of view and ignore the rest of everything else going on in Qatar then it was enjoyable from that respect but it's again it raised a lot of question marks outside of racing about I kind of agree with Dominic Carly that we would probably be better to go to these places and try and do some stuff but you need to have some kind of proof in content creation at least to show that they're making conceited effort to improve things on the ground there and it's not just what we all suspect it is which is just a massive paycheck mm. and Fraser. quickly going sorry go on Ellie. <laughs> i was just going to say quickly going back to um paul ricard they got rid of that because it was a quite a boring race and instead, we've got Qatar and Las Vegas. Are they going to bring us more value than Paul Ricard? If you mean value is in money, then yes. If you mean value is in good racing, then we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, Qatar, was it the most interesting race last time? Our team, I, I'm, I'm with you, and I think it was... Um, I think it was interesting because it was a new race and we haven't seen Formula One cars around there. So that's why it was uh, interesting. Obviously, Alonso on the podium was 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 great. And that was the first time we've seen him on the podium for, for a little while. So I think that's why that was interesting. Uh, will it be as interesting this time around? I don't know. Let's wait and see. Let's give it the benefit of the doubt. I, you know, maybe maybe it'll turn out to be the best race of the season and we'll all be eating our words. But um, I mean, yeah, we... With with Vegas coming in, I think Vegas will be an amazing spectacle. Um, the same as Miami was last year. I think Miami was, you know, uh, it was great. There was uh, loads of um, amazing people there on the grid. Martin's grid walk was brilliant. Do you know what I mean? It was, uh, but that was probably the most entertaining part of the weekend. You know, the race itself was. Uh, pretty tame to be fair um and uh, i do have concerns that vegas will be exactly the same thing i'm looking forward to um it's a night race isn't it and i'm looking forward to that that's, uh, that's another night race um listen I'm, I'm i'm sure it'll be a, a, a good spectacle um and uh i hope it'll be um yeah a, another another good race a street circuit a good addition to, to, the, to the calendar and uh but I, I kind of have my doubts i certainly hope there aren't any fake swimming pools there 
I think mm. Vegas will bring up the whole debate again of what constitutes for a good race because I feel like it could be very Baku, but in an interesting, twisty way because Baku traditionally has had a lot of retirements and a lot of stop and starting, which obviously bunches the pack up, which we've needed in past years because that's the only way the cars could get close to each other. And then when you actually had closer racing last year, it was probably the dullest race that we've had in quite a while. Um, but does that make for a good race? Do you need retirements? Do you need them all to get bunched up for that to be, and for have to have giant crashes for that to be a good race? Or can we just have it where it's very close racing all the time and lots of overtaking? That actually makes for a good race. In Vegas, I think it's probably going to go for more for the former, unfortunately, which is not what we want, but it's the only way I can see that being an interesting race. Because if we get what we got with Miami last year, then it's going to be tricky to stay up on a Saturday night. <laughs> I think Qatar was... Power Las Vegas is going to be a very power hungry track isn't it so I think you're going to really have a spread out pack because it's just going to really be down to engine power make it more interesting by letting people in the casinos gamble on which cars they want to give more power to and then they just switch cars off while we're during the race you sort of get to a bit like how they do in Formula E yeah fan boost I think you fan boost yeah I think Qatar was falsely buoyed by the fact that it was in a very good season of Formula One we still had a championship fight going on at that point in time when we had the race in Qatar and as a result there was a lot to play for we had Lewis making a comeback and the next race he would draw level with Max Verstappen on points Lewis was on this absolutely flying streak that we'd previously seen in Brazil he had had this sort of 25 overtake sort of spell across the weekend he was on it was a brilliant sort of hype around formula one so all of a sudden the sort of mediocre circuit didn't really have as great an impact and it was then sort of spiced up on a i don't want to say more amateur level but from a different fans perspective when we had that series of punctures through the field which visually stunning sparks everywhere looks great especially again in a night race so it had everything you wanted to make it look like an interesting race you had the sort of true fans perspective of interesting championship battle and interesting race for the two leaders and then you also had the visual element to it whether qatar is going to be fortunate enough to have a championship championship still going at uh, the round it's in because obviously we saw the championship wrapped up in japan last year there's no reason for it to not be this year although i hope it isn't um but that could again before qatar of a case of oh this race will just simply happen congratulations um and the same will possibly befall vegas although again that's that's pessimistic thinking we'll wait and see i tell you what vegas would be an incredible place to win the championship wouldn't it imagine you win the championship penultimate race of the season in vegas the scenes we'll never hear the, the end of it fraser <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah i mean yeah um what a night out after as well by the way i mean uh yeah <laughs> win the championship and that's it see you later probably won't turn up in abu dhabi whoever wins the championship so yeah, the F1 title <laughs> trophy has gone missing and it's been accidentally put all on black or something in a casino. It's like, where's the trophy, Max? <laughs> I don't know. I put it on black. I thought I'd get it back. <laughs> what accent was that an attempt? I don't know. Yeah. I can't. I clearly can't do a Dutch accent. But going back to Formula E, when it finished in um, New York, Sam Bird got his third place trophy stolen. So that if it does get wrapped up in Las Vegas where we have those same antics and I will say even if I'm not sort of 
looking forward as such to the racing in Las Vegas. Would I like to be there for the atmosphere? Yes. So I think that's what they're banking on a lot, though. Mm. Yeah. Again, it's, it's that measure between good race, but what kind of good race? Good race for the atmosphere or good race for the actual racing that we want to see? But mm. we'll, like we well, said earlier, we'll kind of have to give it the benefit of the doubt and, and hope for the best. Although or with maybe my... just get really drunk on a Saturday night and enjoy it better that way. Mm. Although with my history hat on, last time we had a championship wrap-up in Vegas, it was an interesting race, even though it was a really pants circuit around the Caesars Palace car park. 1982, I think we're talking, likes of Michele Alboreto. Um, it was an interesting one because you had certain people that needed to finish at least in certain positions to win the championship. We saw Williams, I think, win it that year with... Well, this is going to be a real test of my knowledge if I can Take remember it. who... Yes, yeah, so it was again one of those things of someone needed to finish fifth, someone needed to finish seventh for this to happen and this to happen, and so on and so forth. And those retirements through the field, which again is it, that sort of test of man and machine against the heat. Vegas can pull it off, so as I don't know, I feel like I could be prejudiced in thinking, oh, it's just going to be a marketing sham, but at the same time, historically, it can work. But these are also times when historically, F1 was more exciting week in week out so we'll wait last thing last thing i'll say on vegas before um we move on ish is that i'm hoping that provided it gets a season renewal if the new csi tv show doesn't capitalize on this i'll be very disappointed (laughs) csi vegas um no i was just gonna say that i think it's hard to probably compare it to the 1982 season Mm. because that was so wacky in that if it was the year that Keke Rosberg won it, he only won one race. Could you imagine if only, like, I don't know, Carlos Sainz only won one race to then take the championship at Las Vegas? Well, I was going to say, if you only need to win one race to win the season, that really does open the doors for Ferrari to at least get something right, because that way they've only got to get the strategy right on one weekend, <laughs> which gives me a false level of hope in reality. Let's see, 1982... Less. That was mainly down to, if you want it down to reliability because there were engine changes around then. Mm. Alberto won it. in reliability in the same sentence, Ellie May. We're not there yet. Alberto won for two. <laughs> Maybe Ford, it's Williams year then. Yeah. Yeah, Keke Rosberg won on 44 points ahead of Didier Peroni on 39 and John Watson on 39. So mm. it could all happen in Vegas, historically speaking. If well, someone wins the title think... on 39 points, then uh, we've had a shocker <laughs> of a season. I'm not going to lie. Reliability has gone out the window. <laughs> I mean, could you win 39 points off just the sprint races? Maybe. It's a nice link. I see what you did there. You beat me too. It's a nice one there. But uh, no, I could say, Fraser, because I think the three of us, we all know what our views on sprint races are, but it's been a while since we've had you on, and I can't remember if we had sprint races. Last time we had you on, to be perfectly honest, for a Formula One podcast. So, before we get into it, sprint races, yeah, you're nay for you. Because obviously this isn't F2 or F3, it's F1. Yeah, yeah, an F1 sprint race, which is completely different uh, to the F2, the chaos of the F2 and the F3 uh, sprint races. Am I a fan of them? Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I'm a massive fan, but equally I don't absolutely hate them. I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence with them. I think I, it's, it's, I'd rather have a race than a practice session. Absolutely. Um, have they 
delivered like we perhaps anticipated they would no i don't think they do that being said i really enjoyed the brazil sprint race last year i think it teed us up very nicely for the race and i think they're very dependent on where we have them and it's really interesting six sprint races this year haven't we um going to baku austria belgium austin qatar brazil um heavy in the second half of the season compared to the first half of the season which i think is interesting listen i'm looking forward to a sprint race around baku i think that would be really really interesting and i think that could be um yeah as i said it's all down to lo- location right and i think it, they we saw it work in sao paulo it's worked both years in sao paulo i think it'll work in austin i think that'd be really good I, i'm looking forward to, to belgium austria well, you know what a weekend every single year relentless with uh, the amount of action that that delivers so and they're all circuits you can overtake on um the one that i'm not sure about probably is qatar we've just spoken about qatar and what we what we think of that circuit uh, is, was it worthy of, of hosting a sprint race i'm not sure um yeah again i'm sure i'm sure money talks uh maybe in that in, in that sense but um i yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to them this year i i think this year if they work well then i think they're here to stay if they don't work so well then i think it could be the last year we see of sprint races so i think it's a really big year in in terms of uh yeah whether they'll stay or not really I'll throw it to you there, Jesse, as well, then, that we were obviously moving up from three sprint races from last year and the year before to six this year. And obviously, Brazil has been there both times. Austria was there last year. They're adding more tracks on it. Are they just trying to give it as many chances as possible because they realised, oh, crap, we couldn't make it work brilliantly with three each year? So if we have more of them, then statistically, we should have at least a couple of good ones and we can justify that we can keep doing this. It does seem to be a, not necessarily a double or nothing style effect, but it just seems to be a, if we eventually try all of them, we'll figure out the ones that work. It's sort of like tasting all the ice creams before deciding that you really don't like rum and raisin and then sticking with basically vanilla and a lemon sorbet or something. It's it's this sort of, we'll just see what works, which isn't the sort of clean and technical approach you expect to Formula One as, as opposed to just sort of the chuck it and see what sticks method. Um I don't know. I think Austria making a return, good. Austria always has pretty good racing. It's such a tight circuit. It's demanding. And where you've got lap traffic coming on quite early, the sprint race doesn't dull down the main race too badly. The same with Brazil, because it's a relatively short circuit. It's a relatively demanding circuit at the same time. You get action through both the sprint and the main race. Lewis certainly proved that in 21. I think we're definitely going to see it again in 23. The others... Qatar is definitely an unknown quantity, having had only one F1 race there. I think then chucking a sprint at it is a very bold move, but could they are play also going to be not staying in the sale when no, we're supposed to, to be getting so a, I feel a like that's probably part circuit. of the reason for it because in the meantime, why not just throw everything at it mm. until we and then we can prove that yeah, it's entertaining. We've had three races technically, then at that point, so it mm. justifies us as Razor's very quickly uh, miming there just throwing all the cash at it. Uh, if we were going for the money, I'd rather have seen a sprint race at Jeddah than Qatar, to be honest with you. Jeddah seems to be able to produce action regardless of what's happening. I think that's because the really pants circuit design on the grounds of you can't see what's happening ahead of you. So if it does happen, you're crashing into it. And that's fun for spectators to watch. I don't know. Um, Austin will, will usually has decent racing and might be interesting to see how that goes for a sprint but the one that i'm interested on is belgium quite how that's going to produce a sprint race over two laps is uh uh, it's not going to be many laps and you're going to have teams 
really putting a lot through ultimately one set of tires it's again going to push this idea of do you go soft and hope to make up a lot of places if you didn't in qualifying or do you go mediums and hope you can defend it it's gonna be an interesting challenge that's for certain um baku Baku's search for me a swingers and roundabout sort of search. Baku circuit. could be a very costly weekend for teams potentially because if you muck it up on a Saturday and you muck it up badly, which you generally do if you crash in Baku, then you're going to be uh, against the clock to get it ready for Sunday. Yeah, it's uh, yeah a lot on the line. Yeah, in in I'm kind of two minds about Baku because I think it could be very exciting, but then at the same time, uh, the team's going to say to the drivers, although the drivers may not listen look you have to be really careful in this sprint because if you crash well one you're going to be at the back and two it's so costly to them that is it really worth it mm. and it only takes one driver to upset the entire field one driver to see a small gap and go for an absolute send then all of a sudden you've got someone out of position someone's trying to fight back you end up with a pack building behind them someone in the pack makes a send and then all hell breaks loose you've only got to have fernando alonso be annoyed that he got slightly out qualified by lance stroll and try to recreate or correct that in a sprint race for it to all go peak tong and i don't know why i chose lance stroll for that option he has a good record of crashing good record of crashing in baku as well with spectacular style um the guy can't even stand his bike so i mean what hope do we have (laughs) That's a little harsh. Someone knocked him off that, I think. Um, Timo has been accounted for through the process of today. He was not in Spain, um, as far as we're aware. But hey. um, My lawyer's told me not to comment on such things. That's why he's not got his camera on. He's currently clearly in Barcelona airport. Anyway, Which is the race we are most looking forward to this season, he says, changing the subject quickly. (laughs) Ellie May, I'm going to come to you. Monza, because it always provides a good race. Maybe not last year as much but the years before that and if you can get the Tifosi going and the Ferrari successful then last year was a good sacrifice if to make this year interesting because if the curse continues then there is one driver who is definitely not going to win it this year so that automatically will make it interesting I just wish they didn't have to sacrifice it the year I went to Monza I was really hoping for a I'm Ferrari quite, I'm win. quite happy about that you know it's just funny dampened my spirits um timo your which race are you looking forward to most then i think probably silverstone just i know it's a very route one answer but it doesn't really disappoint at all i mean again 70th anniversary did a little bit but i'm not counting it as a british grand prix um because it's in its own little category so every other time where it's been a british grand prix there's always been something going on and the atmosphere there is just unlike anything else you get anywhere else i think so it's just it's always provided some some very entertaining stuff, and with the new regs in particular, last year that was one of the races where it definitely showed that they were working. So, Silverstone, very nice, Fraser. Yeah, it's a really difficult one to to, to pick one. That, that there's every year I think there's four or five races that I kind of look forward to. Silverstone being one of them. Uh, Spielberg, Austria, I always look forward to that one. Spa. Monza and then Sao Paulo always delivers, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I think Sao Paulo was the best race. It was Sao Paulo or Silverstone were the best races of last season. But to avoid um people in the comments saying, Oh, British bias, I better go with Sao Paulo and <laughs> nicer. 
Yeah, I, hit for you. <laughs> I can't sort of delay trying to figure out an answer for this anymore. Now we've worked through everyone else on the list, and I keep we, looking. We know at... you. We know you want to say Miami, Jesse. Just get on with it. <laughs> it's not Miami. It's not Miami. I don't want to say Monaco because I don't want to risk sort of putting a jinx on something. <sighs> Make Australians either... happy. We need to get them on side a bit more. I, I I was genuinely looking at Australia, going. I really enjoyed the Australian Grand Prix last year. It was quite good. We had the Williams doing basically a no-stopper with Albon and it's somehow working. Uh, Charles doing quite well. I was like, oh no, I'm tempted by that. Imola, I feel, could be interesting. Budapest is sitting on my list. Annoyingly, Fraser's already stolen Austria because there was a bit of my brain that started to wonder going, I wonder how good the midget would be going through the Austrian Alps. But I think I'm going to settle with my original answer and go for Australia. So we'll keep that keep that nice variety going there. We'll make for a nice graphic and at least we can try and get some people that way. <laughs> something to put on the socials jesse likes australia and is thinking about midgets but anyway we'll move on from that to well that's actually it isn't it yeah there we go they're the races we're most looking forward to anyone got one they're 100 not looking forward to just one on the I'm list gonna, that makes gonna, you i mean vegas seems too obvious and we don't know about it yet so it could end up like very saying be a, a very nice surprise but uh going off last year's racing imola it was dollars ditch for water was not good for a Ferrari fan, was not good. It just showed that the regulations were working in terms of you can get close to people, but good luck getting past anyone. Mm. Um, Pierre Gasly is pleased that there are no sprint races in Italy because he has a very poor history in sprints in Italy. See, yeah. there's another reason not to like it. <sighs> anyone else got hey. a, a lowest rank they'd like to throw into the ring? Maybe Spain. What Spain has was... it really provided? It was all right. It was good last, last year, year, but again, it was kind of by its own standards, like France was mm. previously. So it had one good race, but I can see where you're coming from. I'm tempted to say Zandvoort. I can see mm. that. Because, again, I get the idea that it's probably really great atmosphere to go to it. Monza was incredible because you had the Ferrari crowd. You had that big home support giving it a real zest. And you notice that in person. And you get a bit of that through the TVs. And, again, you get a bit of it through the TV. But if you're not a true Verstappen fan, I don't think you'd enjoy going along to it as a race. And equally, the racing's been... And to be fair, if you're watching mid. it on TV, you're not watching it for the atmosphere, are you? You're watching no, you're racing. watching for the racing action. And the racing has been mid at best the past two times we've been there, I'd like to say. It's been... F2 last year at Zandvoort was far better. I far I more mean, enjoyed the Fuda series. What can I say, you know? Yeah, Logan Sargent's crane cam. That's what we're all here for. And F1 did not provide us with that. So there you are. Zandvoort, I'm not looking forward to. It's the one that could do better. I think they're all fair choices. Uh, I was thinking about Imola as well, Timo. Uh, I go different Sorry. and I go Abu Dhabi. As, unless there's a title battle in the last race of the season, I don't think it's ever actually produced a decent race other than when there's a title battle there. And that's simply because it's a title decider. Do you know what I mean? So, mm. um, to be fair, for coming out of Las Vegas with 39 points in first place, then uh, we'll be in, in for an interesting time, won't we? That is yeah, exactly that. That is true. No, I just feel like with Abu Dhabi, it's, um, the circuit isn't great. It doesn't ever provide great racing. And I know that it's the last race before the off-season. It kind of feels like I'm going through a bit of a breakup and I'm sat there with the Ben and Jerry's <laughs> ice cream and crying a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with, with Abu Dhabi. That's fair. Although I will say Abu Dhabi holds a bit of a sweet spot in my heart. It's We get it. You went there. Get over it. <laughs> it does. It It's a terrible race track, but as a circuit, as an actual place to have an event, 
I will say that the one thing to defend it is we've because I've watching more and more different racing series at the moment for the Asian Le Mans series, for example, it was brilliant racing there. So it's interesting to see which racing categories suit which circuits better because Imola for the European Le Mans series, I enjoyed that and it was weird. It was like, oh, it's good racing. Um, so maybe Formula One is just not destined for Abu Dhabi to be it's where it's good. Where do you think we should finish? The oh, calendar? Brazil. I was about to say something completely inappropriate there. Yeah. Um, Australia for me. Can I, I wouldn't say, mind that. Right. Get New Zealand back on the grid then. You can have a nice double header to finish off down there. Mm. Oh, nice. Can I say, right, I actually feel like last race of the season, maybe I'm going to be a bit of a hypocrite here and say, oh, actually, maybe <laughs> I'm... But for me, Brazil is almost too entertaining a race to have as the last race of the season because there'd be so much drama in the you actual race. You want the race. gentle letdown. You want you want to be let yeah, go softly. Yeah, like there, there's there, there would almost be too much to reflect on it. It'd be like Brazil, like so much entertainment. Maybe a title decided there. Like the race itself has been brilliant, and then boom, that's it. We're just going to stop, kind of thing. And there's almost too much to talk about. Um, and then ever all of the journalists uh, go on their go on their, their little winter breaks, and the podcast stop, and all of a sudden I'm like, I need to speak to someone. This race was so good and there's like nothing at least with Abu Dhabi if it is a bit of a boring race it kind of gives you that as you say Jesse that that downward slope and it's like all right cool I can I can finish now if Vegas is a little bit boring but actually not bad as a venue I'd say that's probably not a bad place to to finish on and I think that um yeah as I said the the postseason party if you finish the last race of the season in Vegas would be uh yeah so that would make for some fun content actually wouldn't it you see some of the drivers still outside after the the night out following the everything they're just sitting on the side of the road just like wearing all kinds of wacky outfits from having gone for a massive party someone's got a cone on their head like oh we've got four months to recover from this now Ted's notebook the morning after in Vegas would be incredible it's just Ted looking around Vegas trying to find where he put his notebook it's like oh no you just you just see Kimi Raikkonen in the background slumped against the wall he's the one who's stolen the trophy Jimmy hung over with an ice cream. Ted walking around with one sandal on. It would be unreal, wouldn't it? So uh... yeah, his cameraman is sort of falling asleep in a bush somewhere. So you've just got bush cam and the noise of Ted wandering around giving people his microphone, just interviewing them at like four o'clock in the morning in Vegas on the strip. Just sort of going, yeah, just look. Oh, look, he's off good piastri. He's being sick in a bin. Um, <laughs> hard night. But yeah, I think that'd be fun. that'd be fun. Ted's notebook from the Las Vegas strip. I think. Sky ought to probably start penciling in some just send Ted places, make the guy do more broadcasting. But yeah, we're, we're waffling at this point because that's all we've really got for this week's episode. We've neatly kept it short and well packaged, uh, more so than the F1 calendar is this year. Timo, where can the people find you? In the meantime, you can find me over on Is It Fast, the Nitro RX podcast, Paddock Sorority, Paddock Passion, Instagram, and of course, on the curbs because I'm just about gosh darn everywhere these days. Like a bad rash, you're all over the place rude ellie may where can the people find you uh you can find me co-running our instagram page and running the tiktok page lovely and fraser what about yourself uh over on inside f2 um on the podcast there the f2 show um or on instagram or twitter at underscore fraser one very nice jesse whilst you're here we might as well ask you uh, yeah, usually can be, I can be found all across Instagram and Twitter at Jesse on Cars, as well as doing my usual thing of writing for Classic Car Weekly, where I'm a staff writer covering all the events, doing all the news bits, and heading out and test driving loads of interesting older cars. There's plenty more of that to come in the following weeks. 